Welcome to Playing With Perspective, the suspended animation podcast, where we hear real stories from real people and we tackle all sorts of fun topics in the areas of business, marketing, entrepreneurship, mindset, the arts, and well, life itself. It's amazing what you'll pick up. Thanks for joining us. Everyone, hopefully everybody's doing well. I'm Darren Saul, your host of Playing with Perspective, the Suspended Animation Podcast. It's episode 197, and I've got the fabulous Nick Cree in the house. How you doing, Nick? I am doing sensational today. So uh, great to be here with you, Darren. I, I, I can't wait to uh, get in conversation with you. Absolutely, we've got a great topic here today, everybody. Why yesterday's internet marketing tactics and strategies no longer work today and what to do instead. I love it. Nick is a master in this field. He's a founder of SmashGo, a digital transformation coach and consultant working with businesses to embrace the online world to create a more profitable, scalable business in less time, reducing the hours business owners work and increasing enjoyment and satisfaction. He has a penchant for laziness and taking shortcuts to achieve faster and more easily than in traditional business. At university, he had a secretary write his assignments, started three businesses he knew nothing about, was national runner-up against industry experts in the first business, a national mortgage-broking company, became a sought-after speaker in the second, a web development agency, and is rapidly building the third a digital transformation consultancy. He has an incredible network of speakers and specialists in this role as the host of Business Owners Smashing It Online weekly webinar series and loves helping entrepreneurs stop being a slave to business by getting their business working for them. So today, Nick is here to show you how to create the business you have always dreamed of and beyond. So everybody welcome and welcome again, Nick. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining me. Great to be here. Really good to be here, in fact. You've, uh, you've done a lot. You've been a busy bloke. Well, you could say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've sort of, uh, what have I done? I was just sort of thinking back the other day. I've been online now ooh, since 1979, would you believe? No, oh, no sorry, 1989. Oh, my 19- God, you had me, you had me stop <laughs> for a second. Well, actually, 1979 <laughs> was the year that I first touched uh, a computer at school. So I wow. um, went to high school. That was my first computer. Anyone remembers the Sinclair ZX84 computer? They were little tiny sort of touch screens with one single row uh, <laughs> on the screen there to see what you're doing. And I uh, was programming in on basic. Uh, oh, on that my God. And, uh, you know, you wrote a line. And then it would scroll up and you couldn't see the line that you wrote and you had to write your next line. And, uh, you know, you're writing lines of code and you, and you can't actually see it all. You can only, only see one line at a, uh, That's at a time. Crazy. Look how far we've come now, my God. Oh, it's just so much easier now, isn't it? So Incredible, much easier. man. Incredible. But uh, I'd love to get a little bit more of your backstory. So maybe give us a little bit more of your journey and why you're so passionate about the work that you're doing at the moment. Well, uh, apart from that there, like uh, my passion for well, I suppose computers, uh, really started there. I remember when, I think it was 19, 1985, when the first IBM desktop computers came out. Yep. And I uh, re- I was working at the time, and I remember thinking, I want one of those. Oh, $5,000 back then. And I remember my uh, boss saying, oh, no one's ever going to sort of need one of these at home. These are only for... Uh, 
uh, you know, for businesses. And uh, and I was working for an insurance company and we had ledgers that we used to write into them. So I was working in the claims department. We used to write in the ledgers, you know, all the claims and claim numbers and all that. Had these sort of rows of ledgers there to uh, to look up. <laughs> and so the boss was sort of thinking, oh, you know, computers, I'm not sure they could ever replace, you know, this here. But, you know, look at where we are today. You know, everything's all digitized these days, including going onto the blockchain. So, you know, back That's then right. it's like, you know, there's nothing like this invisible blockchain. Can you imagine what people would have thought if you started talking about the blockchain back then? Oh, they think you're nuts, I they think. think absolutely <laughs> send you to the nearest loony bin. Well, they thought they were going to do that when I was thinking about buying a, uh, a IBM computer. <laughs> <laughs> my first one was the Apple IIc. Oh, that was it? My first computer. Loved it. Oh, wow. Yeah, Apple I remember those. Apple IIc. Wow. Crazy. Well, my first one that I did get was a Sunrace uh, computer, which is a Korean brand, oh, yeah. back in 19, when was that? 1990. Wow. And it was a laptop. Wow, a laptop already. I know. And uh, and I bought it because I'd started a uh, you know a new job. I was traveling around. I had a secretary there. She, and she was doing things like compiling newsletters. So so I would I would write things out manually. She would type it all up, cut it all out, and then use these little things called blue dots on the back of it and stick it all onto, uh, you know, A4 bits of paper to create a newsletter. And then that would go through the Gestetner machine. Oh, um, my God. And I thought, oh, wow, she's she's super busy there. Why don't, why don't I buy a, a computer there? Then I can type up my own stuff, give it to her, and then she can just finish it off. Well, she got threatened by that there. She thought that uh, her job was on the line. <laughs> I had to reassure her and say, no, no, this is just going to help you do more of the stuff that you really like and uh, you uh, you enjoy. So it took a wee while. She, she was the person that actually ended up as my secretary at university. There you go. Love it. There you go. So, um, and, and she got to use my computer as well too, <laughs> to type up. She was a touch typist. So both of us used to go in the lectures together and she'd be touch typing the uh, lecture notes or, or what the lecturer was saying and uh, she used to think that she was pretty dumb you know she's not really made out for university and she thought that I was a bit clever little did she know that I was the dumber one because uh, I got her to do all the work I, love it. I didn't know anything and uh, so at the end of the term we only ever chose internally assessed courses because what it meant was that we just had to write essays and there were no exams Brilliant. so what we would do is then go through the notes cut and paste the notes and put them all into the essay and so when the lecturer was reading the essays that we've written they couldn't help but give us A's because it was their words exactly, exactly. as they uh, as they said them. You must so, be the only person I know that has brought a, your own PA or secretary <laughs> into the lectures at a university. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, it was so good too. People just used to look at me and thinking, "What? Who is this guy? <laughs> this guy's like uh, some royalty from overseas." You know? <laughs> That's right. Sometimes I wouldn't even turn up, so uh, you know, yeah, I didn't absolutely. need to. That's crazy. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was my first computer. But what really got me into the game was back then too, was a thing called CompuServe, which was um, emails. You can get onto emails and bulletin boards. Ever ever remember yeah. that? Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, I've just got to explore these bulletin boards. And then I thought, because bulletin boards, you can upload um, things. That's right. And I thought, well, I haven't got anything to upload. What what are we doing? And it was really just the domain of university. So, uh, and no one had email accounts back then either. The only people that had email accounts were like at university. So I didn't know anyone. So, um, so I didn't sort of end up doing too much for that. But it wasn't until I started my first business, which was 98, which is that mortgage breaking business. Uh, and it was 2001, which is when I bought, built my first website. Wow. So, 
I've been interested in marketing. I'd read heaps of uh, material by Jay Abraham, um, who else? Uh, Claude Hopkins. So these are all, you know, sort of old school marketers. And um, I went to, I remember going to a conference about building websites and I bought a platform to build websites on. It cost me $10,000, two domains and a platform. Uh, when I when I got it, I mean, it's a bit weird because you don't actually physically get anything. You just get this login. So that was all right. new to start with. And all you get is a code. Yeah, and um, and I logged in. It was blank. There's nothing there, and I don't know what do we, how do we work? And so I went through to support. They said, "Oh no, you got to build your website," and so I had to learn HTML code, CSS code, and so oh, that was just my journey into it. And I'm thinking, well, what do you put in this stuff? And so the only stuff that I really knew about was what I'd learned from Jay Abraham, and uh, you know, were there people like. Stephen Pierce and Rick Sheffron. So they're all, you know, old school internet uh, people. Some of them still around today and um, and pre-internet. And so I thought, oh, well, this is just like a long form sales letter. So my first huh. website was a long form sales letter. Oh and God. I sort of broke it up across some of the pages, but uh, it worked exceptionally well. And the one thing that I remember thinking at the time was uh, I had a look at bank websites because they're the only people in financial services that had uh, websites. Website, exactly. And I thought, oh, who wants to read this stuff? I don't, because it's all, you know, reserve bank commentary. There are graphs, there's numbers and charts and all those ones. I'm thinking, well, most of the people I deal with are all, you know, homeowners and on people with mortgages. They don't want to read, well, they don't understand the stuff to start with, yep. uh, let alone they, they don't want to read it. So what what do they want to read? And I remember I created this uh, ebook called, uh, oh, something like the 10 dirty secrets that the bank doesn't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my first lead magnet I ever created, which wow, was a weird. downloadable lead magnet. Remember, this is back in 2001. Yeah, I mean, there weren't many ebooks back then. You know, it was pretty no, no. <laughs> That's right. But actually, the ebooks the e uh, that were there um, were because I consumed a lot of material. I'd found sites that, um, uh, were education sites, internet education sites, and the ebooks were like you'd print them out as PDF wow. documents, yep. and they're a ream of paper, like 500 pages. Absolutely. And so I print them out, and uh, I would be reading these through to uh, you know sort of two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, and then I'd be up at six to uh, to go to work. But I just had this real passion for this this online stuff, doing it differently, uh, and I'd had my brain infused by some of these old school marketers. So I really just brought those two things together uh, to create a business that uh, went from just a little tiny local, you know, mortgage broking business in a little town called Lower Hutt to a national uh, business. And so I ended up running around the country delivering seminars. Uh, we we were doing email marketing, so sending out emails, um, and uh, and then promoting. Promoting, you know what we were doing, and and really the business just grew uh, with that there, and a couple of other really simple marketing strategies. But you know these days, that's just all pretty normal. But back then it was uh, it was really quite new. Absolutely. And do you, would you say that you have just a natural ability to observe and assess people's behaviour? I mean, how did you continue to evolve with the trends and the and the changing landscape? Or was that just an interest for you? I think it's interesting. Like I'm always been curious, um, and I've always looked at, you know, so how do things do things differently and quicker? Which you may have picked up by me having a secretary at no, university. Secretary. So you know that's <laughs> that really just set the scene for it all. And yeah, um, you know, down to things like 
um, trying to turn my office into a paperless office. So it's a mortgage breaking business. So I'm trying to turn it into a paperless office. So we just had everything on computers. Now we had two rooms dedicated to filing cabinets full of rubbish that oh have bank statements, and all that sort of stuff there. So um, I hired someone to scan all of these into a large format scanner onto a computer. We cleared out two rooms of filing cabinets, just threw away all the stuff or scam, you know, uh, shredded it and threw it away, and then uh, employed more mortgage brokers to have in there. Absolutely. And um, <laughs> and I remember sending off the first application to, and it was National Bank at the time in New Zealand, and we sent it off by email. Now they're used to getting applications by fax wow. or by mail, and uh, so about five minutes after I sent it off, I get a phone call to say oh, we can't accept this. It's um it's email. Is and I said, well, why not? They said, yeah. well. It's a security problem. I said, "What do you mean? It's a security problem?" <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, you could you, it could have been doctored or whatever." I said, "You can do the same thing with a fax. You'd never know whether it's been doctored sure. or not." Ever, so, ever heard of liquid paper? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I said, "Oh, look, I'm sorry, we can't do it." And I said, "Oh, no worries. I'll just send it off to Westpac." <laughs> and he said, um, "I'll just just leave it with me and I'll see what we can do." <laughs> anyway, he, he opts off the phone, comes back a few minutes later, and says, "Look, we, we'll accept it." On this occasion only, but they have to be faxed through in the future. I said, right. great, superb. <laughs> and then from that day on, I continued emailing them and they continued to accept them. And then it just became a standard sort of uh, method. So, um, so you know, so we went into, you know, to a paperless office. And um, and so, again, you know, first, you know, company, you know, business in that sort of realm there that really embraced, uh, you know, the online uh, stuff. And um, and then when I came over to Australia, which was 2008, I, I'd sold my mortgage broking business. Um, the year that I got awarded that, you know, runner-up uh, mortgage broker of the year. So I was a bit of a pariah of the industry early on because yeah. it was just pretty shaking things up. I was not a banker. Uh, I'd come in and done things differently. I had this website that was not like a banking or broking website, uh, was running seminars and all of these sort of things. So that's just not the normal thing to do in that industry. Yeah. It is today, but it wasn't back then. Yeah. So I came over here and I thought, oh, what can I do? And I got a job with uh, Commonwealth Bank. Remember applying, got a job with Commonwealth Bank. And I thought... Hmm. I don't actually really want to be doing that. I came to Australia to get away from all that. I thought, what else do I know? And I thought, well, I do know about a bit about um, sort of, uh, you know, the internet and that side of things. And that was really where my uh, web development business started. It was just out of that natural curiosity, discovered a platform uh, called WordPress, which yep. a friend of mine put me onto. Wow. And um, I was working at a uh, timeshare sales office on the phones at the time and uh, the reason why I had that job there was it started at 10 o'clock in the morning yep so it meant that I could get to the cafe at 6 a.m in the morning and so from 6 till 10 I was uh, studying how to code wow. how to build with WordPress and I did that for about oh six months um, hated the job upstairs um, but loved getting in, into uh, the uh, web development and website of things. Mm -hmm. And that all came to a head when uh, a friend of mine said to me, oh, you seem to know about this uh, you know, WordPress and web stuff. How about I pay you to look after my website? And then um, you can go out and find some other customers. You can leave your job, go out and find some yeah. other customers and uh, build a business. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah, and so, and then I was born. I love well, it. Well, I did that for 13 years. So, yeah. Oh, it's amazing how these things sometimes find us rather mm. than we find them. Yes, yes. It's quite fascinating. Wow. So you've always been cutting edge technology. You've always been into the new trends, into the new behavior, the new tech. 
Well, you, you, you might sort of think that I've got, you know, shiny object syndrome where sort of something new <laughs> comes along and I've, I've just got to try it out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and invariably I do. I think I probably spend oh, in the order of $10,000, $12,000 a year on subscriptions for, you know, tech wow. tools and yeah. apps and all that sort of thing there. I've got to cull around about Christmas time year. I've got to go and sort of cull through the ones I'm not using. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm always looking at some new ways of doing things. How do you do things quicker, faster, more efficiently? Um, uh, and it probably comes down to the fact that, you know, essentially I'm a lazy person at heart. I don't want to work hard. So if I can find things that you know, can do the job for me, um, then then I will. Love it, love it. And and so your business at the moment, how would you explain exactly, you know, the area of expertise that you provide now to your, to your customers? Well, I, um, I'll probably characterize it as, uh, you know, I've been on on this journey online for about 30 odd years. And I remember, you know, the... the the excitement and the struggle that that it went through and the frustration of learning all this stuff uh, to get it working and putting things together. And um, and in the process of building websites for uh, people, uh, what used to happen was that, you know, build a website, looks great, you know, functional. It, uh, you know, met all of the uh, you know, principles of good marketing and, and um, you know, for uh, people's businesses. But we'd hand it over. And they would um, just park it to the side. And they like, they, well, they tick the box to say, yep, website's done. And then they move on and go and advertise the newspaper. I thought, what, what are you guys doing? This is crazy. Yeah, you, you've got this tool here that you're not using. Yep. Why aren't you using it? And, you know, invariably come back, well, you know, we, yeah, we'll get around to it. Or we don't know how. Or uh, And so there's this real lack of knowledge around the whole thing. And so a website is only a tool. And a tool is only good if you use it. Yep. And sometimes these tools need to be used in combination and conjunction with other tools. So, uh, so what I what I do now is really sort of uh, work with businesses on their strategy and look at you know what are the sort of tools that you need in business to help you, particularly with your marketing, you know, sales and marketing. How do you automate things? How do you make things quicker? And uh, what are the parts of the process that you need to still keep that human touch and human interaction with? But uh, it's all designed around helping helping business owners, particularly business owners, get down from working you know, 60 to 80 hours a, a week. Because let's face it, no one really signs up to do that when they go into business. That's they right. talk about it being their ticket to freedom and yeah, you know, holidays almost, and whatever. It's almost the opposite. <laughs> oh, they end up being a slave to the business. So, But really what, what we're able to achieve with people is to get them, rather than working you know, sort of 10 hours a day, you can get them down to, you know, three or four hours a day and be more productive and make more money simply by, you know, looking at their systems and processes, employing the right apps and tools and uh, just getting these things functioning and working properly. Yep. And is um, social media a big part of, you know, what you do and where you're, what you're passionate about? Oh, massive part of it. I'm not so sure that I'm passionate about it <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the sense that it's sort of... Um, it's a it's necessary one of those, evil. Yeah, one of those tools you have to be on. Yeah. You can't really avoid it. Although there are friends of mine who, who've gone social media free for 12 months and, wow. you know, they've made it work. Wow. Um, but, you know, for, for branding, for getting to know people, you know, social media is really what the old church hall used to be. You know, yeah. this is where you get together, you catch up with people, you meet, you chat, get introduced to people. Yeah. And, um, and but the most important thing is really not what you say or do on social media. It's the fact that you're there and people see you there. Yeah. It's, that's the one key thing. 100%. And funny that you should say that. Like just in the last few days, I've started to experiment myself with Facebook Reels and I've started playing with TikTok. 
Oh, good. And it's unbelievable the amount of content some people are pumping out. Like every oh, no. second and third reel or every second and third video is the same person. So they must be pumping out a serious amount of content. It works for sure, but the amount of energy and the amount of content they pump out is just incredible. Some, some of them will be doing it um, fairly full-time, yeah, especially those that call themselves influencers. Yeah, yeah. But you can actually publish an incredible amount of content without doing too much work yeah. as well too. Yep. So you may be surprised to hear that coming out of my mouth, being yep. someone who's inherently lazy with all this. Yep. But uh, I always look at, uh, you know, what's what's one piece of content that I can create that I can turn it into many pieces of content, you know, easily and uh, then publish all over the, uh, you know, all over the web. Yep. Um, well, let's, and, kind of, and, let's kind of get into that. I mean, what are, your, what are some of your philosophies or strategies around content creation? Um, uh, yeah. So the well, the first thing is is that uh, you need to be yourself. Yep. So people often try and fit themselves into a brand or a mold or that sort of thing. There, invariably, it uh, doesn't work. You know, it's like trying to fit yourself into uh, shorts and a t-shirt that uh, is a size too small for you. <laughs> uh, it just is uncomfortable. Just doesn't work. And then in the end, you you take them all off and you go and go get something that's going to fit. <laughs> that's right. um, so social media and uh, marketing is the same thing. And um, so you have to be yourself. And you have to, these days, this is what's changed over the past two or three years. Like before COVID, then, you know, the big push was on, you know, having a, a brand and a presence and identity uh, online. And often that brand was your business brand. It wasn't the personal brand, uh, but it was really your business brand. Yeah. But what's happened over COVID is that uh, more and more people have uh, gone online to, you know, do their shopping, to you know, check things out, do that reading and research, uh, not because they wanted to, but because they had to. Right. And um, and so what's happened is people start to ask the questions, well, uh, who is the person? Who, who is, the, you know, what's in behind this? And, uh, you know, maybe not explicitly, but they're, they're looking at some values. Uh, and what happened was that, you know, your larger end of town, so the traditional stores that you'd go to in, say, the strip malls or the, uh, or the large shopping centres, People found that there were alternatives out there. So like just a, a site called Etsy. So on Etsy, yeah, uh, all Etsy, of these little mum and dad stores. Yeah. yeah. Some incredible stuff that you can get on there. And so you, you had had people going to places like that and finding, you know, products there that they couldn't get in mainstream. And on the other side of things, you had people that had lost jobs or they had time on their hands looking at, well, how can we create additional income? They create stores on right. places like Etsy as well, yep. too. Right. And then they create a brand around, you know, themselves as well. And so you find that, uh, you know, the the rise of those online stores, and once people start shopping there and have a good experience, they keep going there, and they're not going back to the old stores. And what's, what's really important with those places are that they're run by people, they've got a personal brand, you'll often see those people on social media, uh, they, they're just talking about themselves and what they do. And you start to get a sense of their values, you know, what they like, and start to get a whole experience around it uh, all as well. So so that shifted people away from the, the brand, like the traditional brands, into personal brands right. now that we're on the other side well i think we're on the other side of COVID. i don't know but uh, you know <laughs> we're sort of coming out the other side <laughs> people have um 
they're not changing their behavior back to what it was. No. So, so there's no no sort of back to normal or something. There is a new definition of what's normal. So, uh, so we're finding that people are still shopping at these places. They're still getting information from those places. Courses are on the you know just really exploded online. Yep. So courses and programs, and so people are still looking for those courses and programs. And what differentiates one from the other? is the person behind it and their personal brand, their story, and, uh, you know, how people, you know, connect with them as well. So social media is a really integral uh, with that there so that you develop a tribe of people that, uh, you know, like you and they are like you. uh, And you don't have to take everyone. So, uh, you know, traditional marketing was you take everyone. This one here, you can pick and choose. It's a big world out there. So you can just pick the people that you really like working with and um, make it a good time rather than uh, a hard time. I think that's a really good point is that in the old days, you didn't have access to as many people. So you had to really be careful to make sure that you, you know, build a relationship with everybody. Now you have so many people globally that if you don't find, you know, your connection there, you just go to the next one, you go to the next one. There's just always, there's always more people. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I'm currently building a business over in the States at the moment. Right. right. Um, Why? Because Because I can. It's (laughs) online. Yeah. Why not? And and people over there love the Aussie accent, so yes, they do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know we've got we've got the Australian presence, Australian brand, which is really Australia and New Zealand, and sort of uh, US, uh, you know, brand as well. It's the same thing, but you know, just building a whole different uh, audience. Perfect, love it. Are you finding a slight different nuance in how you market or how you know you provide services to the market over there as to, as compared to here? Well, well, it is easier because uh, with the Australian accent, uh, you know, people yeah. are drawn to that <laughs> over there. Yeah. Um, but, but interestingly enough, too, even though you see, uh, you know, uh, the states has been quite progressive and quite, you know, far ahead with, you know, they've got all the speakers and all that sort of thing. In other ways, they're quite behind as well, too. Oh, really? okay. So, so you know, what what we know over here in Australia, some of some of these strategies and processes we run over here, they don't know anything about it over there. So, you know, we've got new things to teach them, which we know work over here. And uh, because it's not used very much over there, it works over there as well, too. I agree. And we've got so many success stories from brand point of view, from company point of view, from influencer point of view, from arts and acting. We've got so many success stories that have come out of Australia. Yes, we can, be, we can be very proud of that. You know, we have a lot to Absolutely. teach for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so when they say the world's an oyster, it's uh, it's a big ah, one. Very good. And so then, from a content creation point of view, obviously you mentioned, you know, how important it is to be yourself, show people who you are, show people who it is behind the brand, behind the logo, behind the photo. Um, what other strategies that you, can you share with us? Well, uh, one thing is, uh, one strategy I learned was uh, at the gym, actually. So so I go to the gym every day. And uh, one of my coaches said to me, uh, because I turn up every day, not everyone turns up every day. He said, it's good that you show up every day because he said, consistency trumps intensity. So what what people do at the gym is they come along and they might come along a few times and they just really amp the weights up. So they they try and increase that. (laughs) And uh, he was saying, that's not actually what builds and keeps you fit. It's actually turning up every day. You could be smaller weights, uh, but the fact that you're every day is you're going to get stronger and fitter than the person just comes in occasionally pushing big weights. Exactly the same on social media and with your marketing. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter that you're not the prettiest face on the block, or uh, you've got the greatest voice in the world. Uh, it just matters that you turn up consistently 
and people see you regularly, uh, not uh, you know sporadically. And it's a bit like yeah, I suppose your favourite. Uh, radio show i don't listen to radio anymore but you know favorite radio show you know what is it the morning show we used to listen to the morning show when we were dropping the kids off to school you would always have the same presenter there uh they would have the uh, you know consistent way of doing things you know that have uh, you know format uh, that they would follow on the way through yep. and um you know that had the same songs that they were singing that introduce one new one and sort of uh, check it out that have competitions running so um but the format was all the same so on social media you have to have the same format you've got to be consistent uh so that people uh, get to know who you are they see you regularly and there's these um, there's marketing principle uh, where there are two things that are important and this is how you get people to buy from you. And one is frequency. So, you know, with your marketing, you've got to do it frequently. So, you know, every day, every week, whatever it is. And uh, the other one is uh, 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 recency. So when people are ma making buying decisions, thinking about, well, who do I trust? Who, who do I go and buy from? And it's like, if they keep seeing your stuff on a regular basis, then uh, they think, well, well, that person's obviously, you know, been around for a while. They're good. I like their stuff. And also, if they've seen yours uh, recently, like today when they're making their decision, then gotcha. they've got both of those things pegged in their mind. So often that's what really attracts people, uh, you know, to buy from from you. So gotcha. frequency and recency. And recency. And that's why you've got to be showing up every single day because you never know what day is going to be the day that people say, today is the day I'm going to buy. Exactly. I'm going to make a call. I'm going to exactly. you know, click on whatever. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, I've got, I've got things that I do consistently every single day week me too and um you know that that's what really gets you there but the thing about it is too is that it doesn't even have to be your stuff like i used to publish a newsletter from my website this is this is an older side i'm not doing it now you know it's, it's that thing there you know if something's working really well just stop it um <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i used to publish a newsletter every week i never wrote a single word of content oh none God. of it was mine and so what we would do is we would grab a, uh, I'd have a look around at a blog post. In fact, my virtual assistant would do it. I, you know, I gave her some parameters to look for. She would look for blog posts that my clients would be interested in. And so what we'd do is just grab the first paragraph and an image out of it and the title, and we would paste it into our website blog. And then we'd have a link which would go to the original article. So uh, we would do seven of those for a week. And she, she just used to do it on a Monday morning. So she'd have it all done within about an hour. And uh, then at the end of the week, a newsletter would go out from the website. It will grab those seven articles, collate them together into a newsletter, and it would hit people's inboxes. And, you know, most people wouldn't read it. Some people would. Uh, but uh, what was really valuable about that was that uh, it was the from part in the email that appear in their inbox so they always just used to see from nick cree from nick cree so nick cree just kept appearing regularly in their inbox didn't matter they didn't read it it's just that there was this consistent activity that, that you were there seeing. if when they needed you you were there exactly subliminal marketing yep exactly yeah right, right. fantastic and you also touched on the fact that you know you tried to find articles and little pieces of information that was valuable to them that was about the topic, but valuable to them. I think that's really important as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people sort of make the mistake, I think, in business that what interests them yeah. uh, is what, you know, is interested to their clients. Well, it often it's not. And, uh, you know, as I used to say, you know, I've done some work with in the financial services industry, and they would want to, you know, send out things like, you know, what are the latest interest rates and that yeah. sort of thing as well. <laughs> Who cares? Thinking, Enough already. Yeah. 
Think about your clients. They're not going to read about that sort of stuff. They've got their their, their mortgage. They're paying the the, the damn thing off. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to know that the rates have sort of gone up or down or whatever. Not, you know, that's not. your job to look after it. But what they are interested in is what sort of plants should I be planting in the garden for this season? Send them that sort of stuff. Exactly. It's uh, really useful. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, the only the only thing that I'm you know thinking while we're talking is that the the issue nowadays is that there is just so much content out there. So how do you break through? Obviously, you know, it's patience, it's being consistent and it's just taking the time to do it. And you might have to wait a year or two before you really break through. But how do you really make sure that you are showing up every day and you're not just getting hidden behind all the noise out there? Oh, well, there's there's lots of noise out there as well too. So much noise. But the great thing about it is, is a lot of the noise isn't consistent. Mm -hmm. So you'll find that there are people that publish here, they publish there, you know, they, they have a week off, they have a break, then they, then they publish again. But again, I come back to the, the key, you know, consistency yeah. is the key. You've just got to have a schedule. Uh, in my in my diary, my calendar, I schedule in when I'm doing things. So, so every Tuesday morning, I do a Facebook live nice. every, every Tuesday evening. I've got a, uh, you know, webinar series running for, you know, business owners. Um, and uh, then I'll generally schedule in two other posts, generally about my fitness journey. For some reason, people are really interested in, in yeah, that. Cause everybody loves to, you know, watch someone's journey in terms of fitness and weight. You know, we're all obsessed with that stuff. Well, I think also the pain, you know, it's like I'm yeah. they're they're vicariously experiencing the pain that I'm going through to get myself right. Four o'clock in the morning, yeah. doing push-ups, <laughs> and they're just well, yeah, look at him. <laughs> well, well, I also remember there was a, there's a a guy in um, where is it uh, Surface Paradise, and they've got a pizza joint yeah, down right. there, yeah. and uh, and he he's got this interest in what do you call them? They're they're like it's like a. a a skateboard but it goes in the water and it's on a hydrofoil oh and so it's got a little motor on, on the bottom so you know when it starts off and then it rises up out of the water on this hydrofoil oh well um he uh so they were delivering pizzas and he would deliver pizzas on this hydrofoil and so you know because people were across the canal so rather than jumping in the car or on the on the oh, on his really? bike there and go and deliver them Love he it. just jump on the hydrofoil just jump you know take it over to uh, other people's places well what happened there was was that uh, he ended up in a local newspaper because it was a uh, you know no one else is doing this and it's really interesting so I ended up in a local newspaper for doing this uh, and then from there he ended up globally in the news incredible for, for just doing something which was something that he enjoyed along with something that was his work so i ended up in the uk um, uh, you know and uh, over there so I, I think one of the things too is, is that you can combine you know what your interests are with what your business is and sometimes those those things there create enough interest for it to be memorable uh and uh, and to be newsworthy and, and he got that, that you get that spark that ignites yeah well, he got he got thousands of dollars, well, tens of thousands of dollars of free publicity wow. just by doing that, and he didn't mean to do it. It was yep. just, it, it just it was just a brain spark. So yeah, and I think that's a really good point because you mentioned obviously that people want to know who you are behind the brand, and all this kind of stuff shows people who you are behind the brand. You know, you get up at four o'clock in the morning, you go to the gym. You, you know, you're a human being like everybody else. You have your own, you know, daily routines. And people love to identify with what everybody else is doing. Well, they do. Well, uh, I recently had a uh, presenter on uh, one of our shows, and he talked about 
customer experience. He said that we're not in the business of delivering products and services. We are in the business of delivering an experience. Absolutely. So, and, and to further uh, you know, certified that there, it was not just about people coming in and you and you providing a good level of service. Yes, that's important, but he has a whiskey bar in his place. So he's got a jewelry shop, he had a whiskey bar in there. And so he would sit down with his customers uh, in the whiskey bar. He'd say, yeah, would you like to come through and sort of try sort of one of our whiskeys? And um, and so so what happens is they, they end up having a conversation, they have an experience there. And you know, after they have those sort of experiences, are they going to go anywhere else? No way. No. And, and no one, none of his other competitors have that. That's so, right. um, and, and so, yeah, does it cost a bit of money to set it up? Yes. But, and, you know, the whiskey is expensive. Yes. Some of those bottles are like two, $300 bottles of whiskey. They don't drink it all in one sitting. So you can eke it out. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. But, you know, it's, it, it really just creates uh, a, an experience that uh, around, you know, the whole business itself, which is not related to the products that they sell, but it's related to the relationships that he's able to build with people. And then they go and talk about that there with their friends and and they start to come in as well too. So I think in business today is, yes, we've got a lot of online stuff, but think about how can you create a customer experience that's unique, people enjoy, and they just want to keep coming back to it. Love it. Just get a hydrofoil. Yes, yes, I love that. Deliver some whatever on the hydrofoil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what's your take on, you know, outsourcing your marketing? Would you say that it's important to do this yourself, at least initially? Or do you think people can still outsource it if they don't like to do it or they don't have time to do it? Well, I publish um, probably about 15, 20, maybe 30 pieces of content a day. Wow. Uh, and uh, I can't really do all of that myself. We, we, we do grab it from a single source. You know, like we'll, we'll create something uh, like an hour and a half and then we'll, we'll sort of cut it up and repurpose it and republish it. Um, so, uh, so I think what's important is, is you need to have a process. You need to have an objective about you know what it is you're wanting to do. You need to know what you're trying to communicate, who you're who are the people that are going to be interested in this? You know, who's your target market is, I suppose, the jargon for it. Who's going to resonate with it? And then you start producing the content to do that. Now, once you once you know what uh, what you're doing, who it is that you're uh, you're working with, who's reading the stuff, uh, you know, how old they are, you know, what their interests are, uh, you know, what what fires them up, what keeps them awake at night, all of those sort of things. Then you start to deliver content that uh, really starts to answer some of their core questions or gets into their core passions, then uh, you don't have to do it yourself. You just need to have a process for uh, creating it and delivering it. So I'm the creator. So I create the content Uh, and it's not always me. So I've always got guests on my shows as well too. And so we collaboratively create uh, content and, but then I've got a team of people and a team of two that do the content uh, delivery. And so they'll do things like create all the, you know, the images and the artwork uh, and they will then get the text. They'll create videos. uh, And we've got a whole range of tools that we use to make it all uh, easy as well too. And, but they drive all of that. And I remember sitting down on some days and I think, oh, I haven't done a social media post for a while. I better go and do something. And then I think, oh, hang on a sec. There's been about 15 pieces of content published on uh, Facebook today, and it's on LinkedIn and TikTok as well too. Wow. It's actually all happening. I don't need to do it. So I feel a bit superfluous sometimes. So anything that I do is an addition to what is already happening in our machine. The whole machine just continually firing away every single day. 
Now, I would have to say that uh, if I was hiring someone in Australia to do it, I could not afford to do it. It'd just be way too expensive. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and some people may not want to hear that, uh, you know, Australian jobs are going offshore. Well, actually, that's not quite true because I would not hire Australians to do it because I just simply could not afford it yeah. for a small business. So, um, so outsourcing is a key part of my strategy. And when I talk about outsourcing, I have dedicated staff. Uh, mine are in the Philippines and uh, they don't work for anyone else. They work for me and uh, they, they do all the content. But what that allows me to do is as we're, uh, you know, creating the content and uh, we're creating the brand and we're making sales and we're deliver delivering what we do, then we can come back and hire Australian people because there are Australian people that we need uh, for specific roles as well too. So by outsourcing, we are creating jobs here in Australia as well yep. that uh, would not ordinarily be able to be created. So and, yeah, it's key to my strategy. And the interesting uh, question on that, did you have to train them quite a bit or did they already come with a lot of those skills when they found you? That is a really good question. I, when I started outsourcing, I did it terribly <laughs> and uh, it was not a great experience. But, um, uh, and this is a mistake that I see a lot of people making is I think it'd be great to outsource it. And it's a difference between uh, delegation and abdication. <laughs> so uh, abdication is where you just throw everything at someone and say, you just do it. <laughs> that just ends up in chaos, tears, and uh, your virtual assistant's leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's delegation. And so delegation is where you still have responsibility for it. But uh, you train your 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 team uh, on yeah. you know what they need to be doing, and uh, you know over time then they're able to run uh, those processes. So my team are 100% responsible for those processes. I have very little to do with uh, you know the delivery of it at the end of the day. But that's taken time uh, to get there, and it is it is, is a process. Yeah. But one thing I would say that if you're sourcing staff, uh, I happen to like the Philippines because you've got highly trained and highly skilled uh, people over there that um, enjoy the virtual world. And the reason is, is that they make more money. So even though it's costing us, you know, you know pennies on the dollar to hire people in the Philippines, for them, they're earning a, a top uh, wage or salary. So for instance, uh, there's a VA that I know over there. She doesn't work, for, doesn't work for me. She works for someone else. She is a trained architect wow. and she's very good. She makes more money as a virtual assistant than she does as an architect. Is that so? I mean, how is that possible? Even it's such a professional um, job as an architect, she doesn't even get compensated enough. Yep, and and it really is just the difference between the value of uh, money, you know, here and there. You know, just that difference. Yep. So you know, like if it's um, you know, ten, twelve dollars an hour, that is, in, uh, you know, over there, incredibly good money. Wow. And they're probably doing a lot of the things that they like to do as opposed to things they might not like to do for less. Yeah. And, well, well, often too, it means that they can stay home with their family. Uh, you know, like uh, some of my team have got kids. So it means they're home with their kids, which has been really uh, good, you know, during the past couple of years when the kids have been at home. Uh, so they can work, you know, around that uh, sort of schedule as well too. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a job that they enjoy as well. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point is in that you have them dedicated to you and you train them in your style in a way that so they become an extension of you. Whereas if you're working with an agency and sometimes this can work, but if you're working with an agency that's got 20 clients, 
it's very hard for them to maintain your signature yes on things because it just they just become everything becomes vanilla I've, I, and, and look, I've worked with both. I've worked with agencies and, uh, you know, worked with my own staff. And uh, certainly, even though the, some of the agencies I've worked with have been very good, uh, the ones that have been really good is when I've had a dedicated account manager and I used to communicate uh, just with the account manager so he knew my style. Um, but, it's, um, uh, but if you're hiring someone, if, you, if you're hiring someone part-time, and you're sharing it with someone else, so not through an agency, but you know, sharing it with uh, someone else. You may not even know who that other business is. Generally, what happens is the person that screams the loudest or is the awfulest is the one that gets the uh, gets the attention because uh-huh. you know you want to you want to get rid of this you know screeching screaming person exactly. and so you can get <laughs> on to the person you like. Yeah. So uh, so if you if you're the nice guy then you end up second best because, uh, you know, you're not doing all the screaming and uh, jumping up and down. And that may not be your person. It's not my personality. So, you know, you're better to hire full-time, even if you don't have enough work for them, because when it comes down to cost, you know, if you're paying, you know, six to $8 an hour, then, um, uh, you know, what does it cost you? Maybe sort of a hundred bucks a uh, a week, hundred to $150 a week full-time versus, uh, you know, maybe uh, 80 bucks a week. Absolutely. So, so, you know, it's just well worth having them for it. And you'll very quickly uh, find things that, uh, you, know, you know, that will occupy them full time. Love it. Yep. Really, really great. And so tell us a bit more about business owners smashing it online. I mean, I'd love uh, everybody to really learn more about it. I was very honored to become, to be one of your guests a couple of weeks ago. And I found the experience incredibly professional, incredibly fun educational and was sensational great people on there as well but tell us more about that and how people can you know access that if they want to well can you believe that's been running now for five years no way (laughs) so uh, started as as, uh in-person events and uh, then we went online Uh, we've been online for three years now and uh, went from every every month to every week but uh yeah it's a um it's a free uh, webinar, podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those people with an entrepreneurial seizure that uh, want to learn a bit more about it. <laughs> and and we and we always have good guest speakers on, like yourself, and uh, and a whole range of digital experts. And it's it's not that people have to have a an online business, but they, it's all about helping them to understand what they can use yep. in this online space, Definitely. and you know how they can do things more effectively, more efficiently, so we can get them from working sixty to eighty hours a week down to something that's uh, maybe you know twenty odd, you know fifteen to twenty hours a week. So you know something that they should be and to be more profitable. Yep. So um, so that happens uh, well in my time zone. It's uh, every Tuesday evening at uh, six. Six o'clock, that's PM, Australian Eastern Standard Time. And uh, yeah, it runs for an hour and a half. We've got tech tools. One of my favorite segments is running through the latest tech tools that I've found. And uh, so we run through those. And uh, you, it's just amazing how many people pick up some of those tech tools, just changes their lives in business by just implementing just one or two of them. And some of them are free. So you get, you've got access to these tools. Now, these are tools when I started in business, you know, when I talked about automating my systems and processes and going paperless, I spent tens of thousands of dollars on servers and systems to do all that. Today, you can get the same tools for like 20 bucks a month. Sometimes sometimes free. free. Yep. 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 So we talk about all those sort of things. And uh, yeah, it's just, I I just love the segment. 
Yep, love this it. is my education, and I'm just honoured to have other people turn up and join me in it. Yeah, and I, I highly recommend it. I think anybody out there who wants to learn a bit more about what tools are around, what ways you can, you know, use the internet and use social media and use all the new marketing um, strategies around there, it's very, very educational and it's fun, and uh, you know, it's just a great thing to do every Tuesday night. Yeah, anyone's welcome. Anybody's welcome. All the <laughs> well, I'd love to also talk to you about automation because obviously, you know, automation must fit into what you do. Um, what's your philosophy around automation and is there ever going to be too much automation or how much should you do? How much should you retain personally and how much can you automate, et cetera, et cetera? I think, um, well, a friend of mine put it this way uh, and he said that uh, if you're going to do a task, if you find yourself doing a task twice, now it's time to automate it. <laughs> um, so obviously you can't do it with everything, but what I look at is anything that's not um, broadly sales related, you can automate all that. And when I'm saying sales related, I'm talking about having conversations with people uh, to you know enroll them in uh, what you're doing. So you can take use automation to get you up to that process there. Nice. Yep. And so a lot of our, and you've, you've experienced some of our automation as well. You know, yep. when I book speakers onto my show, yep. uh, we've got a whole series of emails that go out until someone books. So, you know, we we use Calendly for our booking uh, and uh, we use Zoom for the, the uh, webinars and uh, we use, uh, you know, Drip for our CRM. And so all of those all connect together so that, uh, you know, if, if we've got a speaker there that hasn't booked in their date, for instance, it'll just keep reminding them. So, hey, look, we'd love to have you on the show. Uh, here's, the, here's the link again. And, you know, I might say, what have you forgotten? And then I might come <laughs> up and say, uh, hey, look, I know you're probably busy. This is the last time I'm going to email you. <laughs> the 10th email is to book the thing now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But, 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 but you know, that's really easy because I forget things. So what automation does is it uh, helps you not to forget the things that are really important to get done. Yeah. Um, and so some of those automations might be sending yourself reminders. So if you've sent out proposals to people for things, uh, you, you might not send messages to them, but you might send a message back to yourself to say, hey, time to follow up uh, you know, this this person here. That's right. And so it just ensures things don't slip through the cracks. Yeah. Even a simple calendar invite that's on repeat is automation. Absolutely. Everything Absolutely. can be automated really easily if you just think about it. And I think systems and automation is very important. And it's just about how you manage, you know, how much we do and how much you retain that personal touch because that personal touch still is extremely important. And I think one of the principles is is to keep your automations simple. Mm. So uh, sometimes people get a bit complex with it all uh, and uh, complexity when things break, it uh, just turns into a real mess. So just try and keep things simple with your automations and that'll keep uh, life uh, simple if things happen to break or technology uh, changes. Love it, love it. Well, Nick, I mean, really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been absolutely a lot of fun. You've given us, a, we've covered a lot of ground. We've, talked, we've speak, spoken about everything. We've spoken about virtual assistants, about marketing, about the internet, about the old computers, about philosophies for personal branding versus company branding, marketing, outsourcing versus insourcing. So there's a lot of information there for everybody. And I would certainly uh, highly recommend you checking out Nick's uh, Business Owners Smashing It Online webinar every Tuesday night. I'll definitely be there as well. And uh, if you want any information about website hosting, website building, marketing strategies, chat to Nick because he's got an incredible wealth of knowledge and a great team around him as well. But uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. I always like to give my guests the last word. 
Anything else that you want to leave us with? Well, I would say that uh, one of the things you started with was that uh, what was working in the old world online yep. is no longer working on the new world. Yep. So, um, uh, and I was t chatting to a good friend of mine about it too, and he was saying that uh, you know trying to fill seminar rooms, they were filling seminar rooms of a hundred people or more. They struggle to get 30 now. And so uh, our conversation there was uh, things have changed. So we need to think about how do we do things that we bit differently and uh, start to understand people's behavior. So if things aren't working, you find things aren't working, stop flogging that uh, horse, yep. go and do some research, go and ask some people and go and sort of find out how things are uh, working. And I'm more than happy to have any discussions with uh, people about uh, what to do because it is almost like a new frontier. It is a brand new world. Yeah. And and, um, you know, things have changed. It is. And things will continue to change really fast because yep. technology is just providing this incredible infrastructure that does not stop evolving. And we have to really evolve with it or we're going to be left behind. Absolutely. That's a really good point. And if COVID taught us anything, it's how how uh, quickly we can change and evolve and pivot and, um, you know, reinvent ourselves. So I think, you know, our businesses have to do the same. Well, one of the interesting things he said was that, uh, hey, this COVID has just really mucked up all of our marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got to change it. We've got to change, you know, and adapt. And, uh, you know, if anything, uh, the people that can adapt and change, they're the ones that are going to make it in this yeah. new world. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'll pick your brain for a second. I mean, have you been thinking about what might be the next frontier? Is it blockchain? Is it, you know, where do you, where do you see yourself spending a bit more energy on the, in the future from a well, behavior point of view? There are two questions there. It's like what what what's changing and where would I think uh, spend my energy? I think one of the things to look out for is the, the metaverse. Yep. So you know you look at uh, the likes of uh, Facebook, Google, some of these big companies really investing heavily in virtual worlds. Now mm -hmm. I sort of think I'm not going to hang out there, and I look at my kids, and they're buying stuff that's not real. You know, like they, they buy things or they rent. Here, ch check this out. They play games and they rent swords and weapons oh, for the games. God. And at the end of it, once they're finished using they give it back. They pay money to rent these virtual things. Incredible. That's the world we're going into. And, you know, I'm a, what am I, 56? It's like, I'm not a gamer. And, uh, you know, this is not my world to pay for this sort of stuff. But yet, you know, there are kids growing up today and this is their world. So I think uh, that's where we need to pay attention. Uh, we can't ignore it. And I think this is going to be a reality before I'm dead. So I better jump on the bandwagon now and just find out a bit more about it and how we can, you know, think about leveraging this and using this for business. Because if you don't, some of these young kids are going to be in there and they'll be doing it and, you know, Run it, running the world. That's incredible. So you're going to have holograms, holograms of Nick all around the place. <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> this is like Star Trek, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, like it's all coming real. Beam me up, Scotty. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome, man. I think that's a really good point. You know, um, our generation thinks very differently to the new generation. Yeah, I think we have to get into their into their minds and into their behaviour to understand because they're they're going to be the consumers of the new next generation as well. Exactly. But but herein lies the other opportunity, I think, as well, too. And this is what uh, uh, 
people may not think about. And, uh, you know, how often have you heard it said that, you know, you've got all these kids that have got their heads in their devices. Uh, they, uh, you know, they constantly spout, you know, walk around, you know, with their phones in hands, yeah. heads down, don't communicate with each other, don't connect with each other. Yeah. I think uh, one of the next big opportunities is as this generation grows up, uh, being, you know, most connected generation across the world, but the most disconnected yeah. in personal relationships. I think there's uh, you know, going to be an industry that uh, is, rises out of all that in uh, you know personal connection. Yeah. And uh, so you know, it's not quite here yet, but I think as this generation starts to have their kids and they think about how they're raising their kids, then I think that that's where we'll see, hey, well, you know, there's a real gap here. How do we get our, you know, the kids of these kids here to really connect uh, with each other? Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, we're human beings, we're social creatures, we're built with a certain, um, you know, operating system and all the technology in the world can't really change that. Absolutely, absolutely, yep. Yeah, so that's fascinating, very true. And Nick, if people want to find you, what's the best way for them to do that? But actually, I was just checking the other day. If you just Google my, <laughs> if you just Google my name, Nick Cree, N-I-K-C-R-E-E, just just type it into search as one word. Uh, I counted. What did I count? Uh, something like, I got up to page fifteen in Google search. Oh my god! No way. Every single listing was mine. Unbelievable. Up to fifteen pages. So you can Google my name and you'll find me in all sorts of platforms. Uh, I think you still got that secretary working in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, you can find me at uh, smashgo.co. That's my website. S M A S H G O. dot co. But yeah, if you really want to find out about me, just Google my name. Yeah. Um, I appear to be everywhere. Yeah, so, what, so what he's saying is he's everywhere. You can't get rid of him. So <laughs> better join him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Nick, I really appreciate you coming on the show, mate. I really had a blast. Um, everybody, check out all his stuff. Check out the Business Owner Smashing Online web, webinar as well. And we hope you enjoyed that uh, podcast. We'll be back very, very soon for another episode of Playing With Perspective, the Suspended Animation Podcast. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks again, Nick. All right. Thank you. Catch you later. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Playing With Perspective, the Suspended Animation Podcast. If you would like to join me as a guest on the show, I would be delighted to collaborate. Feel free to buzz me on 0414-659-800 or email me on darren at suspendedanimation.com.au. I'm always on the lookout for great guests who can share their stories and expertise with my community. Also, if you have been thinking about putting your own podcast together and not sure where to begin, look no further. I run a really simple three-part podcasting course, one-on-one with me, where I walk you through the entire podcasting journey. You will end up with a fantastic new podcast to start sharing right away. Feel free to get in touch to discuss further. But for now, though, have a fantastic day, and I'll see you next time.